You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. That's 24-7. My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in, guys. Welcome on in. Welcome on in. Welcome on in. Hopefully, your week is off to a great start. We got a great episode today with Justin Paperni. We're going to be talking all about Jen Shaw and her upcoming sentencing. So get ready for that. And also, right around the corner, along with Jen Shaw's sentencing, is the holidays. The holidays are here, whether it's Hanukkah or whether it's Christmas or Kwanzaa or just the new year. That's coming up, too. Hopefully, you're ready and what you're going to need is some no-filter wine. You can head over head over to nofilterwine.com. We have our fizzy rosé. We have our fizzy white wine. Both delicious, both light and crisp and just yummy and perfect for the holidays. You can stock up at nofilterwine.com. 30% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. Our holiday collection is selling out fast. We have the... I always make it nice white wine. And then we have the, oh my God, I'm lit like a Christmas tree, rosé. Stock up now at nofilterwine.com. They're selling fast. Whether you got a reality TV obsessed bestie that you know will love this for the holidays, or you want to take it to your shindig or have a holiday watch party. Maybe you're going to watch the Housewives of the North Pole on Peacock with Kyle Richards and cameos from other housewives. Whatever your vibe is, No Filter Wine, our holiday collection is perfect. It's great to bring to a holiday party. It's great to give to a pal, or it's great to just sit back and watch some housewives while we sip some wine and get ready to spill some tea. So head over to nofilterwine.com. They're selling fast, guys. So head over to nofilterwine.com right now. All right, guys, today's guest is a federal prison consultant and an ethics speaker who's turned his life around. He's the author of Lessons from Prison and Ethics in Motion from White Collar Advice. Please welcome back Justin Paperni. Good to be here, bud. Thank you very much. How you been? I've been well. I sense the irony, right? Federal prison and ethics. It's sort of an interesting mix, but I'm glad to be here and I hope to provide value to your awesome audience. Of course. Well, we had a great chat back in July when Jen Shaw originally pled or changed her plea from innocent to guilty. A Mm -hmm. lot has happened since July. We now have her upcoming sentencing, which will be on January 6th. But very briefly, can you just remind everybody about your background and give us a little synopsis of what white collar advice is? Well, like Jen Shaw, I never imagined in a million years I would become immersed in a government investigation. I didn't know anyone who had gone through the criminal justice system. So when I found myself immersed in a government investigation in 2005, I responded poorly. I didn't accept responsibility. I lied to my lawyers. I lied to the government, really making matters worse. And not really having a roadmap to follow led to a longer prison term, 18 months, which in the federal prison system is very short. But it could have been better had I responded better. Then when I went to federal prison in 2008, I served time with so many men who were like me, who didn't have bad intentions, who didn't work well with their lawyer, yet were separated well. They're separated from their families. So since 2008, together with my partner, Michael Santos, uh, who served 26 years in prison, I met met him in prison. We help defendants prepare for sentencing, find meaning in, in the journey. If you've broken the law, accept responsibility, identify with victims, Don't engage in happy talk like I'll never do it again. Uh, Don't make it all about you, which is what so many defendants make it. That's my life, how it's imploding. It's really about victims and people that you've hurt. So our team has had the privilege through White Collar Advice to do this since 2008. And I'm really grateful to share some of these insights with you. Of course. So then are you, would you be considered a a felon? Is that still like a- Oh, you know, you wouldn't be considered. I actually am. So when I pled guilty, so- Yeah, so I pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit fraud. Uh, Essentially, I I was a stockbroker in Century City. I learned that a client of mine was making misrepresentations to his clients. I was the stockbroker earning commissions off this client. And when I learned that he was lying to his investors, I didn't stop it. I turned the other way for money. And as a result of turning the other way, essentially what what Judge Wilson said at sentencing, 
I was convicted uh, of a federal crime and sentenced to 18 months in federal prison. And I served just over a year in a minimum security camp in Southern California, which is now closed. Uh, I was at Taft Camp, which is now closed. There's also Lompoc. But yes, I'm a convicted felon for life. Okay. And so, and, and we'll, we'll chat about that. Cause I also sure. want to talk about like the Chrisleys now that they're going to prison um, and kind of like what the next steps will look for, for them afterwards. But I want to start with Jen Shaw. And I also want to clarify, cause I did say something on the show in reference to Jen Shaw. Um, and I said that I've never, I, I would not have a felon on my show in reference to an interview that she did with somebody else. I now mm. have to clarify. I actually <laughs> have no issue if, you know, there are felons like Justin who take accountability, have ownership and now pay it forward. Cause that's what you're doing with white collar advice is you're paying it forward and you're trying to help other people be more accountable for their crimes and hopefully, you know, become a better pillar in their community. I'll sum it up really quickly. There are so many people in this country who unfortunately break the law, go to prison, but rather than say what they're going to do, they actually do it. They work to create a new record. They right. document it. They prove worthy of a second chance. That's fundamentally different, for example, than someone like Elizabeth Holmes, who right. went to trial, lost, blame, blames others. The Chrisleys, Go to trial, lose, blame others. So second chances do exist. I'm a testament to that, but it can't be through blaming and excuse. And it really starts with accepting full responsibility. And that's the path for anyone who's made, who has made bad decisions. Got to lay out a plan and hold yourself accountable. So now with Elizabeth Holmes and with the Chrisleys, they fought this at trial. They did not plead guilty. And that's why they're still maintaining their innocence, because in their head, Right or wrong, in their head, they are still innocent and they did not commit these crimes and somebody else did and they're being held accountable for other people's actions. So, yeah, so so many people who get into the system say, I didn't have bad intentions, I didn't mean to end up here. And it's like, well, who intends to end up in federal prison? Who right. wakes up with intentions to break the law and ruin your life? In other circumstances happen and in the Chrisley's case or the Holmes case. They have gone down a path of blaming other people, excusing their conduct, going to trial at great taxpayer expense because we pay for this trial, right. lose, they've lost. And of course, the prison term when you go to trial and lose is significantly longer because you have not accepted responsibility and you put the government to the test. So yes, they've to Jen Shaw, presuming you know, she's pleading guilty and going down this path, at least it's on the right path. Now, some people plead guilty, but the judge doesn't really believe it. The judge may say, you only pled guilty because you got caught. You're only saying you got sorry because you got caught. You only went to trial because you couldn't have, you only pled guilty because you wouldn't have won at trial. So it's got to be the right message. A lot of defendants kind of want to have their cake and eat it too. I'm sorry, but you got to go all in if you're sorry, or else a very cynical federal judge is going to fillet it, fillet your statements and pick you apart. You got to go all in. So Jen Shaw's sentencing was originally supposed to be in October, and then it got pushed to December, and now it's gotten pushed to January. Is it standard for a sentencing to get pushed back like this, or is there a reason we keep having to wait for this to happen? It's not uncommon for sentencing hearings to get pushed back months. Mine was pushed back more than a year. There's other court cases. The government's busy. The prosecutor may be working on a trial. Her lawyers may be busy or out of town. There is a probation interview, which will lead to a probation report that might not have been completed in time. So it, it's not uncommon for sentencing hearings to get extended several months or more than a year. How much time do you think she'll realistically end up getting served now that she's pled guilty and she's taken a plea deal? Um, I believe the maximum she's looking at right now is 14 years. But what do you think realistically she might end up getting? The, the answer to that question will really hinge on what the, the probation officer is going to recommend. So the probation interview in the federal system is a very big deal. The probation interview which will lead to a probation report by a federal probation officer. That report will go through her background, her finances, especially if she owes money, any medical issues that could impact her trying to get out of prison because COVID does still exist in these prisons, any substance or alcohol issues, because if she qualifies, that could take a year off of her sentence. So I can't yet make a recommendation until I have a better idea of what the government may ask for. And then that's a pretty good basis of okay. where it may come in. And of course, her lawyers are going to sell the idea to the judge that she's worthy of coming in well below the guideline sentence. But even though all of the charges could be 14 years in prison, that, that's unlikely. That's how she gone to trial and done everything wrong. By accepting responsibility, it reduces the exposure. By making good decisions, being prepared for the probation interview, her turning in the appropriate letter, 
to the judge making the appropriate statement, compiling authentic character reference letters, she begins to position herself. I presume there's no other criminal conduct. She's probably not breaking the law right now while she's waiting to get sentenced. So she has some mitigating factors in her favor, but I can make the recommendation once we have an idea of what the government may ask for. So let's talk about what's happened since July and whether or yes. not you agree with some of her decisions and her behavior or whether you uh, think that this may actually hurt her come sentencing on January 6th. Um, so since then, she has continued to film Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. We're watching the season air. Um, the other women on the show with her seem to be rallying around her. Nobody's really asking her any questions about, you know, was she involved? What was her involvement? You know, what is she currently facing? A lot of the women, they're taking her on vacation. They're giving her luxury rooms because she might be fa facing 50 years in prison. She's continuing to take um, or, or engage in drama with some of the other women. This most recent episode, we saw her get in a fight with some of the other women and throw some of their shoes and food over a yacht into the ocean. So she's definitely still, you know, performing very well on the show. Um, now, the show finished filming before the season wrapped. So obviously, the narrative on the show is that I am still innocent. I did not do these things. I'm being framed. So after the show wrapped, she... There was there's a conference that happens in New York that Bravo, which is the network that hosts Real Housewives of New York or sorry, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. She attended the event in New York. It's called BravoCon. It's a three day conference. When she initially pled guilty, she was disinvited from the event and Bravo said, we think it's best if you don't attend. However, we'll still give you your paycheck because you were originally booked to attend this event. She still flew to New York. She still went to the event. She crashed the after party. Some of the other women that were there with her said that she tried to crash some of the tapings of a show called Watch What Happens Live. She claims that she was there for work and that she was still paid to go to BravoCon, even though she wasn't allowed to attend the event. But she still went, was seen partying it up was seen out at the after party that she crashed, was reportedly telling people and some of the other housewives that she is not going to prison. She will not be serving any time. Um, she was also recently caught by TMZ in a screaming match with somebody on the streets of Salt Lake City. Not to mention, you know, she's still glamming it up, posting these photos of her, you know, doing her hair, getting her nails done. She's still glamming it up for the show. It seems like Bravo has distanced themselves from her and they don't have any interest in working with her moving forward. Um, she also recently did a YouTube live stream um, with a YouTuber where she said that she where she basically defended her right to attend BravoCon because she said she still received a paycheck for it. Um, mm -hmm. She said that she did not crash any of the after parties, that she just walked in voluntarily, even though she was not invited. And many people have said that she was not invited. And people there have also said that she was asked to leave the party. She trashed the other women on her show, um, you know, indulging in the show gossip, but, you know, clarified that the reason that she was screaming in the streets that was caught by TMZ, that that was because she was trying to defend a gay couple that had been harassed and that she knew that this video was coming out and her team had no problem with the video coming out. Um, but one thing she did not or has not addressed is any of her upcoming sentencing, her change in plea. She didn't she has not shown any remorse for her victims. She has not taken accountability for her crimes, aside from the statement that she made in court before the judge. So I could I could break down for days what you've just said. I won't. I'll summarize as best I can. The reason some people get longer sentences than they should is because of some of the behavior that she's engaging in nothing in the two minutes that you were just nothing in what you just said identifies with the victims, articulates a plan to make them whole, demonstrates to a judge how and why she'll never return to another courtroom and really what the plans are for the rest of her life. Had she responded more appropriately to Bravo, her employer, perhaps they could have come to support her at sentencing or articulated their support of her for the journey ahead. But instead, her behavior further ostracizes her from them. Why? For some attention right now so she can try to defend her, her actions. I presume her lawyers are asking her not to do this, begging her not to do this, or else these lawyers should be fired because they're not helping her understand what the highest goal is. The shortest sentence in the most favorable institution. So I would ask her if, if white collar advice were, were guiding her, 
Is there upside in attending an event that you were not invited to to create drama and likes and views online if it gets in the way of what it is you want, the most favorable outcome at sentencing? So she continues to make some, some bad decisions because every time she goes in that direction, it's a distraction and it gets further away from her plan, which should be, this is how I'm going to make amends and do better. It seems to be all about her. And unfortunately, some celebrities, as we know in this country, we're enamored by celebrity. Right. We love stardom, but many of them have sycophants and enablers that tell them what they want to hear right. and nobody telling her the truth. Stop. You're making matters worse. You may be embarrassing yourself and you're putting yourself on a path to get a measurably longer prison sentence. Let's stop, reflect, and analyze. She doesn't appear to have those true tellers in her network. So my understanding is she's not allowed to travel out outside of Utah unless it's for work. So is that possibly how she was still able to go to New York is because she was technically still paid for this yes. event? It'll be the same thing on federal probation, which happens after prison. You're allowed to travel if it's work-related. So she submitted a request to what's called her pretrial services officer, with asking for permission to travel, clearly the pretrial services officer approved it, and and she she went. So that's correct. I mean, even right now, she went back on Twitter, and as of this morning, I'm going to read you the tweet that she sent this morning to one of her fellow housewives. Again, let me know if any of this is advisable for for any of of your clients. She tweeted at one of her other housewives because she took a break from Twitter when Elon Musk came into uh, control and now she's back. And she tweeted, I'm back. Lisa Barlow, get ready, bitch. So those aren't the sort of messages that I would encourage anyone to send. One, it, it's it's threatening. Those are the types of messages actually that could get you remanded and sent immediately to, to prison. We may You may remember Martin Screlly, former bro who tweeted that he would pay someone to get a lock of Hillary Clinton's hair. Within hours, I think he was remanded to custody. So she's naive, frankly, if I may say, even though I know a lot of people watching this may be fans of hers, I'm just coming from my professional perspective. She's foolish, she's naive, she's making short-sighted decisions without considering how every tweet, every statement, everything she says will influence both her sentence and the rest of her life. So that sort of tweet can get you immediately you know, arrested and sent to custody. Further, she'd be naive if she doesn't embrace the reality that the prosecutor, the probation officer, the judge, her case manager in prison will be reading what she's putting out there online. And it would make more sense if she were more measured right. in, in her statements and thoughts. But she seems to lack discipline. She seems to respond in kind. She loves the attention, it seems. And that may make her feel better right now. But the question is, is that the best strategy at sentencing? And I can assure you, if her lawyers have a brain and they do, they are watching this and cringing. And when she doesn't get the outcome she wants, they can attribute it to decisions she's making every single day. So let's talk about the interview that she gave, because she has not given any interviews. She hasn't done any sit downs uh, post uh, post pleading guilty. So since she's pled guilty, there have not been any interviews except for this one that she did on a YouTube live stream. And I also have to clarify my criticism of the interview itself has nothing to do with the interviewer or the channel. Sure. It's sure. more about her responses and how she conducted herself in the interview, because a lot of it focused on the show. A lot of it was, let's clarify why you went to BravoCon. Let's clarify why you were caught screaming in the streets of Salt Lake City without addressing the elephant in the room, which is the upcoming sentencing. And so a lot of people were like, oh, well, she probably didn't address that because she can't talk about it because it's ongoing. My understanding is that there is no active litigation. The case is closed. She's now just awaiting sentencing. Is and since she's already admitted to being guilty in court, are these things that she is allowed to talk about if she is going to do an interview? Or is it advisable to not address this at all if you're going to go and do an interview? So if she's going to, to give an interview, it should align with her message to the sentencing judge. I'm sorry. This is how I'll make amends. This is how I knew that it was wrong. This is my path and plan to make my victims whole. This is how and why I'll never return to another courtroom. If she's not prepared to articulate that message at a sentencing hearing or in a live interview, whether YouTube or elsewhere, she's not ready to speak. It's the reason some defendants should go dark, uh, should say nothing, unless they have the right message. So she continues to, to make bad decisions and get further away from what it is she wants, which is the shortest sentence. You can expect the U.S. attorney at her sentencing hearing to address her conduct and her behavior and probably state while she's pled guilty, what has she done? 
to truly make amends to her victims. Now, if there's money owed in this case, she owes money, she should be making payments or laying out a plan to make her victims whole. That's all she should be speaking about. If not, it's all a distraction and it's um, it's self-defeating. And it's the reason I suspect she's going to get a longer term prison term than she otherwise would have. I believe she's currently looking at uh, $9 million in restitution. So think about that. Would it have been a better message if she was on this show talking about why she went? I went to this event in New York because it was my job and I've contributed heavily to this, but I also get paid. And I'd like you to know that the paycheck that attributed going to New York, I'm turning over to my victims because I pled guilty. I broke the law. I hurt people. And I have a plan to pay them all back. It may take a while, but I'm going to pay them all back, starting with X amount of money I'm giving to my lawyers before sentencing that will be turned over to the victims. That's why I went to New York to do my job, to earn a paycheck. I've contributed to this show, but you need to know I'm turning this money over to the victims that I helped create. Can you see how that message would yeah. be different? It, 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 and I, I presume her lawyers are begging her yeah. to try this, but for some, my only pushback to hard. that, my only pushback to that answer though is. Bravo disinvited her from the event. They told her not to come. She oh, she shouldn't have gone. But I'm saying she, even no, no, even right, 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 right. No, I, I get what any, you're saying. But, any royalty that she may get moving forward, right? Any paycheck, she should be attributing a portion of that. She should be selling assets. They right. now they may be taking them anyway or requiring that she liquidate them, yeah. especially if they deduce that some of her assets came by way of this fraud. So she may have a forfeiture. All those things are really addressed in the plea, in the probation, and all of those things will come out. The issue is if she's going to speak, does it advance her agenda if she says, these are my plans to make victims whole? At no point have I heard her empathize or lay out a plan to make the victims whole. That is infuriating to a sentencing judge. I don't believe she's acknowledged them at all. I believe there was a statement that was made on behalf of her attorneys when she pled guilty. And other than that, other than the reports of her telling people at BravoCon that she's not going to prison, there has been no public addressing of the victims, of her upcoming sentencing, of anything. It's Even to make the statement that she's not going to prison, I'd ask, are you psychic? Can you predict the future? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Right. And I don't think her lawyers are giving that advice because facts are stubborn things. Nine million in losses lead to a very high calculation for the sentencing guidelines. She should be obsessed, frankly, with doing all she can to try to get a below the guideline below guideline sentence. If anything, she's putting herself on a path to get a, a sentence that's far too high because she's doing what too many people in the system do. They make it about themselves, right. how their own life is imploding, how they're getting a raw deal, how they didn't mean to do it, how they're getting screwed. And the result of that is a total avoidance of the people that were hurt, the victims. And that's the reason she's looking to get absolutely punished at her sentencing hearing and potentially remanded to custody. There are some judges who will say, I've let you remain out pending your sentencing, but it every single day it happens in America where someone gets sentenced to prison and they immediately put you in shackles and chains and you're let out of the courtroom by the marshals. She gets eight years, nine years, 10 years, and the judge isn't pleased with her what's post-defense conduct, like her tweets, calling people bad words or threatening words. The judge may say, I think you're a danger to the community. I'm going to take you into custody. Happens every day. She recently signed with the talent agency, which I guess some, or at least my prediction was there's likely going to be a book or a documentary. Like if the talent agency is signing you right now ahead of your prison sentencing, it's likely because we're planning to monetize off of the scandal. Um, Mm. Obviously she will still need to work to pay back all of that restitution. But if she were to write a book or she were to do some sort of documentary series or something of that nature, what happens to those funds? Are they immediately seized for restitution? Does she get to keep a portion of that? What does that look like for her? So, of course, I went through that because uh, I wrote hand wrote, I hand wrote lessons from prison while I was in prison, and I owed restitution like she does, like she will. So, what happens is when you're in prison, you make restitution payments, financial responsibility program. The pro- her case manager in prison will lay out how much she has to pay. Could be from $25 to $200 a month. Depends on how much money she has coming in. Living in prison can be $100 to $1,000 a month. So depending on how much comes in, she will make restitution payments in prison. When she comes home, she will sit for another interview with a probation officer and she will go through a detailed financial worksheet. 
based on her income, her assets, liabilities, the probation officer will make a recommendation, not a recommendation, will tell her how much she has to pay. The judge at her sentencing hearing may also make a condition on what she has to pay. It could be $1,000 a month or 10% of your income, whichever is greater. So I'm not saying they're going to take I think that the idea of profiting off your crime originated from the son of Sam Law in New York, the killer who wrote, this is a federal case. Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, wrote a book, made millions of dollars. Many people, Frank Abagnale from Catch Me If You Can, Leonardo played him in a movie, wrote a book, I did it. So they don't come in and take all of the proceeds, but they will use the income generated from that book in advance for the book to help justify a restitution payment and things of that nature. Some people try to get creative, have the money go elsewhere, and then they'll see in anybody else's name. The government is not fools. They know where the, the cash is going, and they're going to seek to collect four victims. Trust me, we've already seen all of her LLCs be exposed. <laughs> <laughs> so, but to me, from what you've said, and just from what logically makes sense to me, these things saying that you got paid for Bravo Cod and signing with a talent agency, these sound like a great way to put together a plan to then utilize an interview opportunity to explain that plan and be like, yes, does this look like it's in poor taste that I'm collecting a paycheck from Bravo? Yeah, maybe, but guess what? I have restitution that I have to pay, and this is part of my plan to pay back for the crimes that I've now admitted before a judge to doing, because that's another thing that people like to say is they like to throw around the word allegedly, and I just want to clarify, this is no longer alleged. This has been admitted by Jen Shaw herself in court before a judge. What you just said is key, and if things ever go south for your business, come and work for us, because that, that, that's, <laughs> right, <laughs> that's the right message, what you just said. See, so many people who traverse this system come to recognize their, their best remaining asset could be their experience through the system. Jordan Belford, Frank Abagnale, me, so many others who have traversed this system successfully, they use this experience as an asset to teach, to inspire, to guide, to share a cautionary tale. Well, she could be more interesting than ever. Imagine people would probably watch if she returned to some show to talk about her life in prison, what it was like. But I hope it's not one of complaining and, and bitching, but rather something that's inspirational, where she teaches and mentors other women inside of that prison. But I agree with your message. It would be fine to do these things if she were pledging a portion of these assets to people she stole from. Right. Now, it seems like from what we've seen in the previews on the show, because it's still airing right now, and again, this was all filmed prior to her changing her plea from innocent or from not guilty to guilty. It seems like the narrative that she's trying to craft is that her assistant who worked for her is the one that got her into this mess, that she trusted him and he's the one that, you know, dragged her into all of this with her. I mean, some of the evidence is a little substantial against her that it kind of makes that um, that case sound unlikely. However, he is one of the ones that was taken into prison and he was prepared to testify against her at her upcoming trial until she, at the very last minute before the trial, changed her plea. Is it possible that he is the one that kind of was the mastermind behind all of this and she really is just wrongfully looped into everything? Perhaps it's possible, but it's still the wrong message. Yeah. That's the message that Elizabeth Holmes tried at trial. It wasn't me. It was Sonny Balwani. It was the scientist. I didn't have bad intentions. That would have been her messaging had she gone to trial and he would have testified against her. Again, it goes to show you how poorly she has planned because the message follows if you plead guilty, regardless of what my assistant did. Regardless of how at times I felt I might have been duped into this, it doesn't change that I knew right from wrong. It doesn't change that I profited from decisions and behavior that I knew was wrong. So at one point I slept well, Your Honor, by blaming other people, namely my assistant. But I know the only way path is to be able to look at you directly and say, I alone am responsible for my troubles with the law. It's the messaging issue. Right. To blame and excuse other people, yet I pled guilty and accepted responsibility it's a total disconnect from the plea agreement that she signed. And you can expect the U.S. attorney at the sentencing hearing to say, yes, Your Honor, she signed this plea agreement, but let me address statements that she has made. Do you see how these statements don't align or belies with the plea agreement that she signed? What do we have here, Your Honor? We have someone who's duplicitous. She's trying to make it seem like it's not her fault. She blames other people. Yet she's asking for probation or home confinement, Your Honor. Come on, please. Right. And that's another thing to discuss as well. What do you think her lawyer's will ask for. If the government asks for five or seven years in prison and her lawyers ask for probation, 
pretty big chasm there. That's a right. huge problem. You can expect her lawyers, if they have a brain, to ask for some prison time, though right. a lot of time the defendants like just ask for probation. These judges aren't fools. Right. I mean, I'm anticipating she's probably going to get from what I've seen. And again, I I'm I have I have my Harvard sweater on right now, but it's I, I have a layman's brain. Um, I'm just looking at this, you know, as, as your your average Joe. But I feel like culture, society, on every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes. We can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch, because society is great. But it doesn't have your couch, and it's windy out, and you forgot your jacket. And oh my God, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app, or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Do you think that any of what we're seeing on the show will get pulled into question as well? Sure, Because right now on the show, we're seeing her this current season. And again, this was filmed in the months leading up to the trial when there was going to be a trial. But she's hosting a lingerie party. She's throwing drinks on other women. She's throwing extravagant birthday parties for her husband. Um, The extravagance is important. And and look, if she's a celebrity and this is how she earns her living, that's part and parcel to the process. Years ago, I think there was an NFL player who was indicted on insider trading. He got probation. He was still playing football, I believe, during this process for the Seahawks. You've got to earn a living. Now, the government, if you are spending extravagantly, can fillet you because they can say, look at the home, look at the cars, look at the jewelry, look at the parties. They have not scaled back on their spending to the detriment of victims. So that that is a problem. So the probation interview will lead to a probation report that will break down the income and expenses. And I have attended sentencing hearings where a judge has told a defendant, you drive a $100,000 Maserati or $200,000 Maserati, you live in a beautiful home, you still a member of the country club, you haven't scaled back any of your expenses, and you offer a measly, you know, $8,500 to the victims of your crime. You're kidding me, right? It can work against you. So if she argues that the extravagant parties and lifestyle furthers her business, it's part and parcel to what she does, fine. Okay, I don't know if the government buys it. But you can expect the government to have a detailed financial breakdown. And if she's spending lavishly and not scaling back, I mean, I have we've had people in our, in our community who went to Yale who were physicians who were unemployed. The only way they can make money was driving for Uber. And they would set aside some of that Uber pay for victims. That's what it takes to make amends and create a new path. She doesn't appear to be doing that. To be fair, the extravagant party for her husband was thrown by one of the other women on the show on her back, like for her, even for me, even participating in the party just seems a bit unnecessary, you know? And also uh, there could be victims at sentencing hearings are very difficult. I mentioned the prosecutor, the probation officer, the judge is watching it. You know who's also watching it? The people she stole from. Yeah, And it's, it, it could be heartbreaking for them to, to see that there is no focus on them. And she's, if anything, trying to capitalize on this experience leading up to a sentencing hearing. I'm okay with it if she pledges that money to people that she helps. Certainly in my case, I've gotten a lot of grief over the years from people like, oh, he wrote a book. He's profiting off his crime. Right. I would argue I'm profiting off the lessons I've learned and the lessons I've shared. But it doesn't change that any time I made a dollar, a good portion of it went to victims who are now right. paid in full. She's not articulating that message. Eventually, people are going to tire of it. We move on. I mean, look at the Varsity Blues case from years ago. My company had 10 clients in that case. Nobody's talking about it anymore. We move on. If she doesn't get on track and do better, eventually she's going to be forgotten about. And my concern for her is it's like, I think the more you continue to parade this, the less likely we are interested in buying your book and the less likely we are interested in hearing your truth 10 years from now when you get out of prison. Well said. So how much does her husband going to be on the line for the restitution that she has to pay? So he's not a criminal defendant, correct? Correct. 
He's not a defendant in the case. The government will look at income and assets from the spouse and use that to assess a restitution payment. If they deduce that their home or jewelry or a car or a painting, carpet, whatever it may be, was acquired by way of this fraud, even if it's his, they're going to come and get it. I mean, we've had situations where a client or someone commits a white collar crime. They've embezzled some money. They buy a ring for their spouse. The IRS will come and the, F, the Department of Justice will come and take the ring, even if it's from the spouse or jewelry. Okay, they want their money. They're going to collect. So they will use his income um, to help deduce what sort of payment, restitution payment she should make, including any payment leading up to sentencing. Now, one thing that did come into question last season and this season, last season on the show, she brought she bought all of her cast members these really expensive diamond necklaces. This season, I believe in last week's episode or, or possibly the week prior, she also gifted another. She said it was a necklace worth worth five thousand dollars. And one and the women, the woman that received the necklace made a point of saying, like, I don't want to wear this necklace because I don't want, you know, the the Fed, the New York feds to come and, and seize the necklace off the, the street in New York. So is that possible that these extravagant gifts that she's giving to other people that are publicly kind of being paraded on the show, are those assets likely to be pulled back in for restitution as well? A couple of things. Sometimes in the entertainment business, aren't they for promotional purposes? Could those have been given to her? Possibly. And then they're kind of like kind of like the bachelor. Does the right. bachelor buy the ring they give to the art flip? Right, right, right. So maybe it's that where it's someone's promotional that they're giving it away. If she actually bought it, which I doubt she did. But if they did, I'm not saying that the feds would come and rip it off the person's finger, much like they're not going to go back to Starbucks and say, give us the money back for the cup of coffee she bought. But it just speaks to how naive she is, that she would spend this sort of money knowing a federal judge is going to be aware of it, knowing that a spending like that is lavish, unnecessary, and uh, to the detriment of her victims and people that she's hurt. So I don't think the feds would come around to people and rip it off, especially if it was bought legally, but it just, it speaks to how, uh, how poorly prepared she is. So Todd and Julie Chrisley, they were recently sentenced. I believe Julie got seven years and Todd got 12 years, but they were fighting this at trial. And I think you yes. kind of briefly mentioned this earlier that they got a, a harsher sentence because they were fighting it at trial. And it's likely that Jen Shaw might get a lesser sentence because she has at least admitted to being guilty in his, or at least in July was seemingly taking accountability for her crimes. Do you think that she had a strong chance had she actually moved forward to trial? Or do you think it would have likely ended up as it did for the Chrisleys and as it did for Elizabeth Holmes, that usually when you go up to trial against the feds, you're likely not going to win? I'm not a lawyer, so I'll give advice. But data is pretty conclusive that the lion's share of people who go to trial, I think it greater than 98% of people who go to trial lose, right? Even if you have millions of dollars to spend at a trial, the government has endless resources, our tax dollars to fight. It's difficult for a jury of 12 to see someone objectively when it's your name versus the United States of America. Right. There's no doubt in this country that innocent people who go to trial are convicted. It happens every day because it's so hard to prevail at trial. It's the reason the lion's share of people plead guilty, even those who truly feel they're innocent. So I empathize with people who are immersed in this system. It was easier for me to plead guilty because I did it. Right. So I can't say... If she went to trial, had she prevailed, though the data suggests she'd have lost and lost big. And her lawyers told her that. Yeah. It's just, it's wild that she drug it out so long and she was prepared to go to trial. I believe she even had her mother take out a million dollars of her retirement money to help fight this. So that will work or potentially work against her as well. Sometimes the government will say, yes, your honor, the defendant accepted responsibility, but it took her this long, a great taxpayer expense. It took, it took away from the government being able to pursue other cases. So you look back at the Varsity Blues case, remember Felicity Huffman pled guilty like really quickly. She got a 14-day prison term. Others pled guilty to similar charges. They got longer prison terms. How are you respond in the early days of an investigation? Kind of like life, how you respond when something goes bad. <laughs> it tends to be better if you address it immediately rather than dragging it out, blaming, excusing denying the inevitable. And it's really all, all, all the same here. So that also works against her that um, she waited so long to accept responsibility. I'm sure her lawyers loved it because they were getting a huge hourly fee right. over many, many months while this played out, but that might not have been in her interest. Yeah. 
So we see Todd and Julie there. I believe they have to turn themselves in January 15th. Um, when do we think Jen Shaw will likely have to end up meaning time from sentencing sure. to time from, from having to turn yourself over? What is that looking like for her? When do we see her put so on at, those, those at, her sen- at, her sen- at her sentencing hearing, the lawyers will ask for a specific prison. They will ask for a specific surrender date, probably two months out, could be three months out. Typically, it's 30 days to, to 90 days. Presuming she's not remanded or taken into custody at her sentencing, the it takes about 30 days for the Bureau of Prisons to designate you. So after a month or so, she'll go to www.bop.gov, and under inmate locator, she will put in her name. And from there, her Bureau of Prisons registration number will come up. She'll remember that the rest of her life, just like her social security number. Once her BOP number pops up, her designation is imminent. From there, she may get notified from her lawyer, her pretrial services officer, where she's been designated. But I would expect her to surrender within one to three months of her sentencing. You don't think she'll take more time? Because we know with the Chrisley's accountant, he isn't—he doesn't have to turn himself in until May, but that's because I guess he had a surgery. And they, and they may even get longer along with Elizabeth Holmes because they're appealing their convictions and some judges allow the defendants to remain out pending their appeal. People on with whom we've worked have been out for two years after they've been sentenced while their appeal, in some cases, three years. Wow. Sometimes the judge will stop that and say, you know, I want you to go to prison. And the prisoner will hear their ruling on the appeal while in custody. We've had clients appeal. They're out for a while. The judge says, I want you to go to prison. And six or nine months later, their appeal comes in and they can get released. Or some of the charges, they may win on appeal. The sentence is reduced, whatever it is. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Chrisleys don't surrender in January or April and they're allowed to stay out pending their appeal. Or at okay. least for a while. It ain't going to be seven years. Okay. okay? But I, I, don't, I wouldn't surprise me. So that's a possibility for the Chrisleys because they went to trial and they lost. So they can appeal that. Same with Holmes. It won't be the case for her unless okay. now if, if she gets two months and she needs an extension, the judge will ask, well, why do you need an extension? Doing a TV show or writing a book is not a reason. Now, if there's a health issue, a medical emergency, even a graduation, things of like that, the judge may be sympathetic to an extension or two, but not not in perpetuity. The judge is going to say you're a convicted felon. You've been sentenced to prison. I'm not going to treat you different than people who are sentenced to prison every single day in this country. You're not different. You're not special. Get in. So so she cannot appeal this. She can only appeal if, I believe she can only appeal if the sentence her team, her legal team feels is too harsh, correct? In the plea agreement, it probably states that she can appeal the sentence if it's above a certain number. And for I think that it was 14. Reason, but, yeah, so for that reason, it's really not in the court's interest or the judge interest to go about that because then there's going to be an appeal and a whole process. It doesn't do anybody any good. So for that reason, rarely, if ever, have I seen the sentence above that length. The, the judge knows it's just going to create more work and heartache and time. Lawyers may love it because they get paid. But it, it that for that reason, you're not going to see that here. You're going to see a Got sentence it. that won't be able to be appealed. And I, Yeah, I um, believe she, her, her plea deal capped her at 14 years. So it's, it's really it's a really long time, right? I mean, think about that. 14 years in prison, potentially. Is a really long time. And you think given the serious yeah. offense and that potential journey through prison, she'd be pivoting and making different decisions. But perhaps the reality hasn't set in. Perhaps she's been convinced in, by other people that that's not going to apply to you. Those are just the guidelines. But it's naive to think that she's going to be different than anybody else tra- traversing this system. Uh, she Once you're in it, it's very hard to emerge unscathed. Right. So is there, what does it look like for her to potentially get out early? Is that an option? And what can she do? Can she do more of these live streams and and party crashes in prison that can help her get out early? That actually would add more time to her sentence, (laughs) believe it or not. So these iPhones are very pervasive in prison and people are getting arrested every day for using iPhones Mm. in prison. Like any federal, like any federal prisoner who's eligible, she'll get 15% off of her sentence. So Practically speaking, let's just say it was 10 years in prison, 10, 120 months, you can take 15% off of that. So 10 years is down to eight and a half years. There's a new law that President Trump signed in late 18, prison reform law that would take a year off of her sentence, seven and a half years. 
then on a lengthy sentence of 10 years, she would get one full year in the halfway house. That's six and a half years. If she disclosed any history of drinking or substance abuse, she could be eligible for an early release program that could take a year off of her pro a year off of her sentence. So if all things go well, good time, first step act, halfway house, drug program, on a 10-year sentence, around five and a half years or so in prison. But she would still have to do like one year in the halfway house slash home confinement, which is tough. That's a diff for some people, it's very tough to go to a very small, filthy halfway house and right. not a great part of town. And uh, but to answer your question, like on a 10-year sentence, it could be five and a half to six years and seven years in federal prison. Best case scenario. Best case scenario, unless there's new reform, unless she gets a pardon or clemency from the president of the United States, which I don't expect to happen. I mean, it is. I, I can now see her legal team. She is drinking very heavily on the show this season. I can see her legal team at least trying to make that argument. And I can guarantee uh, if there's any history of alcohol or substance abuse, her lawyers will, she will have disclosed it. She should be in counseling now and she'll go to a prison that offers what's called the, the residential drug abuse program that could take a year off of her sentence. So that's it's a good program. It's a 500-hour, nine-month program. Completion of it takes a year off of your sentence. So I suspect she'll go down that path. Wow. What does life look like for her after prison? Let's say she she gets best-case scenario. She serves her five and a half years. She's ready to come back into the real world. What do you like? How do you rehab and reacclimate back into the real world, considering you're now a convicted felon? It all starts from what she should be doing now, but also while in custody, right? So a lot of people go to prison, they blame and excuse and say it's not their fault. Others work to create a new record and contribute and give back. So while there's no internet in prison, uh, you can write. I wrote a book while I was there. I maintained a blog, sent it home every single day. So I was finding ways to contribute to the world, even though I was in prison. So she should use this time away to prepare for the very hard part of coming home, which is easier if she's ready. So she could sit in the TV room all day and watch reality TV, including her old shows, and get a kick out of it. Or she can choose to be productive, do her job, avoid disciplinary infractions, avoid the drama, avoid the gossip, avoid the guards, avoid the complaining, and work to create a new record that proves that she's worthy of a second chance, right? So there's myriad opportunities in there to do it. Others have done it through much harder circumstances. Let's not forget, let's maintain some perspective here with what people endure every right. single day in prisons all around the world. And she'll be around women who have endured heartache and pain that she can never imagine. So I hope she finds perspective. She learns from that and she learns to articulate it in a thoughtful, holistic way. And if she can do that, opportunities will open for her. But if it's blaming and excusing other people, as you mentioned a little while ago, people get tired of it, man, and they just they just move on. Yeah, at some point, you don't want to hear that you're innocent and being wrongfully accused while you're on your way to prison, especially when you're continuing to parade a lifestyle. Now, look, to her credit, to her credit, some people don't fully get it until they're there. Mm. So I pled guilty. I said I was sorry. I was working to make amends. I was doing better. But until I didn't fully get it until I was in, in, in prison, cleaning pots and pans, standing for count and separated from my community. So there, it, it, for some people, it hits them at different stages. I suspect at some point it's going to hit her like I did wrong. I knew that it was wrong. I deserve to be held accountable. I got, I got to do better. I got to do better. And for a lot of people, including me, the, the reality or totality of it doesn't hit until you're in prison. You know, I just hope that she gets there. The sooner the better. Yeah. But I suspect at some point it's it's going to hit her. And to be fair, I don't think she has a lot of people around her that are really expressing the severity of what she's going through. I think she's still caught up in the celebrity. I think she's still, you know, the people around her, some of her friends around her, you know, two of them that are on the show, you know, one of them was just doing an interview, I think, last week or the week prior where they were like, I thought when she poured a drink on somebody else, I thought that that was funny. So I think like we're continuing to enable this behavior, which I think is also hindering her ability to really take full accountability, which I think is possible. And I think, you know, I don't think she's completely lacking any sort of moral compass. I just think maybe she doesn't have the right support system around her. And that's where you would want your friends and your family to really be like, listen, we need to take this seriously and we need to dial this back. You need, you need truth tellers, enablers, or 
some of terrible to have enablers around you to not respect you enough to tell you the truth or to be afraid or cower in your company. I don't want friends like that. Yeah. And unfortunately, so many people who are rich or who are celebrities who have had these enablers for for so so long and who tell you what you want to hear and it ends up just delaying the inevitable and makes matters worse. She's not going to get the enablers in prison. Some women there won't care. Now some will be enabled by her I I, I suppose. But um, it's a difficult environment, and I'd encourage her to think more closely about how every decision she's making will influence her life today, tomorrow, at sentencing, in prison, years from now. And too many people look back with a great deal of regret. If I knew this, if I did that, it's part of the reason our team is in business. As I opened this podcast or interview, I, I said, I, like Jen Shaw, never imagined in a million years I'd become immersed in a government investigation. Right. And for that reason, when it hit, I didn't know how to respond. Yet I look back and say, man, I wish I knew this now. Then I would have done everything differently. She'll be no different. It's part of the reason we're here to provide guidance and tutelage. Now, whether people want to take the message and do the work or not, that's a different conversation. But we're providing it. There's a template and plan to follow. But it does require hard work. I've never known anyone to succeed in life without a lot of hard work and discipline. And in her case, it will only begin once she looks in the mirror or at a TV screen and says, I knew that it was wrong. I deserve to be held accountable. I've hurt people. This is my realistic plan to do better. If she can do that, she'll get back on track. And all we can hope is that she does get back on track. I don't want to, I'm not rooting to see her fail. I'm rooting for her to see her take accountability and make the people whole that she did wrong by. Yeah. And look, and, and I know what her lawyers may say and what she would say, how does it serve the interests of the victims to send her away for 14 years? Her lawyers may argue if you sentence her to probation, she can immediately get back to work and pay the victims back. I've heard that at hundreds of sentencing and it's true. Yet a judge will say, if you rob a 7-Eleven and pay the money back, you still robbed a 7-Eleven or a bank. There's a consequence that follows, right. but you could fully expect her lawyers to articulate, how is this in the interests of an enlightened society to send her to prison for 14 years? And I'll probably agree with that. We pay for this as taxpayers. Do we need to warehouse her in a minimum security camp for eight years, 10 years, 12 years? Probably not. But this is the way we meet out sentences in this country. We give out very lengthy prison terms, but you can expect her lawyers to argue if she can work, she can pay money back, which comes back to what I've been saying throughout this whole interview. Has she been doing this leading up to sentencing? You can't expect her lawyer to ask the judge to give her probation or a short sentence so she can get back to work and pay the money back if she hasn't been doing that leading up to sentencing. The judge is going to say, you ain't been doing it then. You think I'm going to give it to you now? You got to build the record. You don't right. tell them. You show them. I don't know if she's showing them. From what I've seen, she has not. And again. There you go. And again. So it, it, how, then how can her lawyer even try to sell it at sentencing? It's like, it's absurd. No, but I, they I, will sell it. I'm making a. I'm going on the record here at 10:55 Monday, December 12, 2022. That when you cover this after sentencing, her, her lawyers are going to remark that she should get a shorter sentence so she can continue her career to pay victims back. And if she hasn't done it, it won't work. But I'm going on the record that it's going to happen. I would not be surprised, and I trust your advice, and I agree with it. I'm pretty sure. I, like I said, I also think they're going to bring in substance abuse. I think they're going to yep. try to play all the cards that they can because her behavior yep. is definitely not helping her in any sort of way that I yeah. think at this point, you know, it, it, it's only going to end up hurting her. But The prosecutors could play some of the videos, some of her, they, they could send it to the judge. That That's not uncommon, too. The, the judge is going to know. They're going to write a full history of what they think. She's done both good and bad before and after sentencing. And I have no doubt there's many, many good things she's done throughout her life. And I hope those are articulated as well, not just by her lawyers, but by herself. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm going through her Twitter feed right now and she's like continuing to just, you know, make things worse for herself. Like she's still yeah, tweeting so that housewife. Lisa Barlow, if that's what we're going to do, then you're as fake as your Cheeto finger licking good spray tan nose job, eye job, boob job. It's too bad your privilege can't get rid of those cankles, though. That was her most recent tweet. That that person probably isn't going to be writing a character reference letter on her behalf. I'm just putting... I'm putting... Highly <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> Again, there's still time between now and January 6th to hopefully have some sort of awakening. And Because at the end of the day, listen, and I know I, I'm guilty of this too, 
we get caught up in the in the sensationalization of it, right? We get caught yeah. up in the drama and the pop culture gossip and the scandal of everything, right? But at the end of the day, we forget that there are real people on the receiving end of this. Yeah. There are people that lost their retirement money. There are people that are struggling right now because they, you know, were taken advantage of. It it's unfortunate. And we have to remember that there are victims at the end of the day that, you know, do need to be made whole. Here's the final prediction that I'll make. You can expect the judge in the remarks to express his disdain for the fact that there has been no focus on the victims, no plans to make them whole. And every tweet or every interview that doesn't address them further proves that it's on the back of her mind. They're not a priority. And it continues to be all about her. And you can expect the judge, all jokes aside, to use her own statements, her own comments, her own antics and behaviors and justifying, which could turn out to be a longer prison term than it would have been had she responded poorly and not been so enamored by her enablers who tell her exactly what she wants to hear. Yeah. I mean, if I were conducting the interview, I would have been like, listen, I will allow you to come on the show, but we need to address these things and we need to talk about this. Otherwise, it's not in my I mean, it probably would still be in my best interest because for me, I would still get the I would still get all of the advertising money. I would still get people tuning in and viewing. So I'm profiting off of you. But for me, there it comes a level of like, well, ethics and integrity of being like, no, why am I going to give? a felon, an opportunity to come on here to not address the elephant in the room. And not only that, but just from a human level, let's say I do empathize with her or have sympathy for what she's going through, then I want to give her an opportunity, a fair opportunity to share her side and to take accountability if I have a platform to be able to give her that opportunity. And I feel like it was a missed opportunity for her. Really well said. People, everyone has a different objective as a stakeholder. The prosecutor, Peter has a different objective than her defense attorney. Right. Someone who's has an in, doing an interview, like you said, may want hits and advertising. They may have a different objective. It's essential that that's embraced. And I fear as if, uh, you know, it feels she, at times she may want to set the record straight. It may feel good uh, to purge and to have people listen, but that may not be what's best for her and get her closer to what she wants, which is back to her family and as quickly as possible. Yeah. I mean, she wants to participate in the Real Houses of Salt Lake City reunion, which at the end of every season, they have a reunion where they bring all the cast back together to rehash what happened on the show. She is upset that it's. it appears that Bravo will not be allowing her to participate in that reunion. I believe it tapes next weekend, but it doesn't seem like Bravo is allowing her to participate in that given her recent... Um, her upcoming sentencing and recent uh, guilty plea. And she's very upset about that. And she said that there's no show without her. And she can't believe that they would not invite her to participate in this reunion taping. So uh, again, it's all a mess. It's a bold statement. There's no show without her. (laughs) Wow. But again, it's a messaging issue. Perhaps if she wanted to maintain this relationship or have one in the future, she could have messaged it differently, including I understand Bravo has been put in a tough situation because of my criminal behavior. And as much as I'd love to contribute right now to this show, I understand given my felony conviction that included stealing from people, totaling more than $9 million, it may not be in their brands or culture's interest to have me on. So I'm grateful to Bravo for every time I've had an opportunity to contribute, to participate in this awesome show. And I'm just ashamed and sorry that my own actions, not theirs, my actions have put me here fundamentally different message and fundamentally different message just career longevity that sets you up to still have a relationship with them when yes. you get out of prison it, that's why she's not forward thinking yeah. she's thinking as you said in the moment right Impulsive. now tweeting things that make no sense saying things that don't align with her longer term goals and i'm stunned that her allowers allow it her lawyers allow it unless of course they've tried to dissuade her they may be sitting in their offices thinking there ain't nothing we can do to convince this person to do otherwise. Let's just do the best we can. Soon we'll, soon this will be behind us. And at least collect their their attorney's fees. Well, the they're getting paid. They're doing their work. <laughs> yeah. The client doesn't, if the client doesn't take the advice. That's not right? on them. Yeah, that's on the yeah, client. Yeah, that, 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 that's, sometimes I want to do a fitness class. I still eat a couple of donuts on the couch. Okay, <laughs> we're not pro. I know what to do. Yes. Doing it is a totally different thing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for coming back on the show. We'll have to have you on again at some point. I'm pretty sure there will be another celeb reality TV scandal for us to break down and another prison sentencing that we'll have to recap soon. 
Hopefully not. Whenever you have questions, I'm here. I love your show. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And remind everybody where they can keep up with you and, and subscribe and follow. Two ways. If you'd like to follow White Collar Advice on YouTube, also White Collar Advice on TikTok. I'd love to have you join our community. All right. There you go. I'm going to go follow you on TikTok right now. If I'm not already, I should be. I follow you. <laughs> thank you, Justin. All right, I appreciate All right, thank it. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Justin Paperni, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go give him some love. Go give him some support. I know I made the shady comment last week about how I don't interview felons on the show. And then I was I was getting ready to tape this one. I was like, oh, wait, yeah, Justin, technically, yes. But there's a difference. He has taken accountability. He is paying it forward. And he's, you know, he's here to, to provide insight and not to shy away from the big elephant in the room. So thank you, Justin. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight and I appreciate all of your white collar advice. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. We are going to count down to Jen Shaw's sentencing on January 6th. Hopefully it does not get pushed back again. Very interesting that the Chrisleys may actually be appealing their sentencing um, or not. The, yeah, I guess the sentence that they were given. They have an opportunity to appeal that. Jen Shaw does not look like she has the luxury of being able to do that given her plea deal, which maxes her out at 14. And I believe I said this and discussed this with Emily D. Baker that it's, it's unlikely that they will give her more than 14 years given that plea deal and given that she will have an opportunity to appeal it if she does get more than that. I've always been predicting of her falling somewhere between eight to 10 years. I think that's probably where I stand. We will see how this all continues to play out. Her sentencing is on January 6th, as of right now, unless it gets pushed back again. But thank you guys for tuning in. Go and support No Filter Wine at nofilterwine.com. Perfect for the holidays. We have two new designs, holiday collection, Fizzy Rosé, Fizzy White Wine, 30% alcohol by volume, less than a gram of sugar, available now at nofilterwine.com. Must be 21 or older to order, and please sip responsibly. But let me know how, you, how you're getting lit this holiday season. All right, guys. Love you. Appreciate you. Follow me at Just Plain Zach or follow the show at No Filter with Zach, and I will talk to you Thursday for our regular Thursday Night Live. Airs on the podcast Friday. Okay, love you, Mina. Bye.